Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're starting a new series of podcasts we're calling The Parenting Sessions. The series will focus on parenting and raising children and provide practical, real-world advice. I hope you enjoy. I'm David Ahern. Rachel Schofield is our guest on this episode of Figuring Out Families. A mother of two children, Rachel is a parent coach and professional member of the Australian Association of Family Therapists. This is the first episode featuring Rachel as part of our parenting session series. So welcome, Rachel. Thanks, David. Lovely to be here. Yep, great to have you on board. Now, Rachel, your area of interest is siblings. Very interesting area indeed. What interests you about the dynamics between siblings? Yeah, so it's really a new focus. I've been a parent coach for 10 years. And what I have noticed over that time is parents come to me with some pressing issue. So they come because maybe they've got sleep struggles or they're dealing with aggression. And once we've worked our way through that, there tends to be this background issue with um, sort of sibling dynamics. And it's this sort of ongoing stress in the family. And I found that just about every single family with more than one kid was dealing with this. And so I've just become really interested in supporting parents in this area. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting area, siblings, especially when you come from a big family. And I certainly come from a big family. I'm one of six. So I understand the need for a strong bond between siblings. And fortunately, with my family, we are all fairly close. Whether you have one or five siblings, though, would you agree that a good relationship with your siblings is essential for a a well-functioning family? Yes. (laughs) And it works both ways. So, you know, when siblings get along, the family functions so much better. But also, like, when the family's functioning well, siblings get along better. So it kind of flows both ways. And Equally, if there are tension between siblings, then that's going to cause stress in the family. But if there are sort of other stresses happening for the family, then that that can be one of the symptoms of that. One of the ways that you can see it is that the siblings are struggling to get along well. So it's it sort of all flows together. Yeah, no, I'm sure it does. What are some of the positive outcomes that come from a solid relationship between siblings? So for me, I think one of the most beautiful outcomes is that siblings can have lifelong friendships. They get to have an ally the whole of their life, someone that has known them from when they were little all the way into old age. And that is an absolutely beautiful thing to have, to have that connection with someone who knows you so well. Um, And as siblings grow up into adulthood, siblings can become a really secure base for each other. They can be someone that is always there no matter what. And to have someone like that in your life, even after your parents have passed away, that is just such a gift. It's a, a beautiful thing to have. It gives you so much security. And it also gives you a really strong sense of belonging. And families that have siblings that get along well, the whole family unit has this really beautiful sense of belonging together, being a real team together. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So it's really sort of like uh, having best friends all through your life, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, absolutely. And, And like with best friends that, you know, you can get along really well and you can have fallouts, but you know the bottom line is that you're always there for each other. 
Yeah. Although, I mean, the, the, the flip side, of course, is like uh, anything in life, but it's not always smooth and you can have issues with your siblings like uh, anyone else. But why do so many siblings struggle? And you see that at Christmas and times when families do come together. Um, some people just really don't like that time of the year because you are back together as a family group. And if you're not getting on, it can create real issues. Yeah, absolutely. Christmas is is quite an interesting time of year because there's so much about that that you know families coming together and there's the way that that actually brings builds safety. Um, it builds a lot of safety having people around you, even if you feel very irritated by them. People that are family, people that are always there, like dependably there. And I think the the best way for me to answer the question around like why do siblings have tension is to really take a little peek into the way that children's emotions work because it's all about feelings like when we're not getting along well with our siblings even as adults it's the feelings that are coming up that are causing problems I want to start there are sort of two parts to it and the first bit to think about is that something that's not really well understood in our society is just how important a sense of connection is for children um, so it's it's just as important as food, air and sleep. And we don't tend to think of it like that. We tend to think of it more like icing on the cake. Like it's really nice if you can have that, but it, we don't get just how vital it is. We don't get how important it is. And there is sort of throughout history and around the world that the most graphic illustration of like how... Um, important a sense of connection is to think about orphanages and you'll have heard the stories where and we can even go back to the the second world war where there was there were many orphans in Europe at the end of the second world war and a lot of them were cared for in hospital orphanages they set up these um, places to look after these children and at that time there was an incredible um, concern about infectious disease a bit like there is at the moment and so these hospital orphanages they focused really hard on making sure that these were clean sterile places that the kids weren't going to die of disease and there was a whole load of other kids that got sent out to the hill farms um, in Europe and what they started to notice was the kids who were being cared for in these hospital orphanages and they had everything they needed in terms of food and sleep and shelter and clean environments the death rates were really, really high. And they then went and did studies in the hill farms in Europe. And the kids that have been sent out there had much, had really high survival rates. And a report at the time concluded that the children in the hospital orphanages had died from lack of love. Yeah. So that's a really extreme situation. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it's an incredibly graphic illustration of how important a sense of connection is. So if we kind of bring that back to our families, we're not in that situation. Like kids, you know, definitely have a sense of connection to us at some level. Um, we can, our kids, because that sense of connection is so important, it's like they're little and, and the younger the child, the more vulnerable they are. They innately know that they need an adult caring for them. And so they, and if an adult isn't there caring for them, it's really stressful for a child. Like if they know that an adult hasn't got attention for them, there's a degree of stress, like who's there looking after me. And so a kid has like a kind of radar sort of scanning the whole time, but is there someone who's looking out for me? Um, right. And when they feel like there isn't, 
you know, and that can be all sorts of things that happen that don't and it's not our fault if our kid suddenly has a sense that that isn't happening. They get stressed. And so they, they feel like there isn't. And when a child can't feel connection, they can't think well. And when they can't think well, they start to do really nutty things <laughs> like picking on their siblings yeah. or, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, and the reverse of that is when our kids do feel connected, when they're free from any emotional tension inside, they are the most delightful people that, you know, those are the best moments of parenting and they're the moments that they can be really generous to their sibling where they can take turns. They can um, just, be kind to their sister and share their toys with their brother like you know kids do really well in those moments okay so so there's that going on so that really like the key bit of that is that when kids are doing nutty things it's because they're not feeling good and they may have lost a sense of connection to the adults around them okay so the second bit of like why yep. siblings struggle is um, to do with how children process their emotions. So when we're kids, and in fact, throughout all our lives, our brains record absolutely everything that happens to us. And we're like busy, like our brains are busy recording the events along with like the emotional content of, of what's happening. And some things are really easy to process, like today's a sunny day and I've got some nice wheat bix for breakfast or something like that. You know, our brain can really digest that kind of information easily. But other things come along that are a bit harder to process. And those things like land in our brain and they're sort of like chunks of emotion that haven't really been processed and that they're there. And they sort of, it's like kids have this little emotional backpack that's getting filled up with these hurts, these feelings that haven't had a chance to be processed. Um, and so kids are always kind of looking to be able to heal those hurts, and, and we do as adults too. They're always looking to be able to do it. And the way we try to process them is we will, maybe we'll have a really good cry or maybe we'll laugh about things. Like when we're laughing about things, we're, kind of processing things that are a little bit scary usually there's usually like even when it's humor like there's often a little bit of fear and we might um rage and, and feel angry um and we might even start trembling like fear like um, i think we've all had it like when we're feeling scared our, our bodies are tremble a bit and and this is our body's natural way of trying to be free of these feelings that are in our emotional backpack um and and, and it's like I always, I always like to take everything back to being an adult. Like, so as an adult, I'm sure we've all had the experience of having a really good cry, maybe with a friend or a loved one. And we felt so much better at the end of it. And our friend didn't try to fix things. We just felt so much better. And, and kids are the same. If they get to have a good cry about things, they can feel so much better. Um, so kids have got this emotional backpack. And if their sibling is out there and they're feeling really full of feelings and they've lost their sense of connection, their sibling is just such an easy person to dump all those feelings on. <laughs> it's like they're there, yeah, they're yeah. safe, and <laughs> they 
yeah. you know, out it comes. It either comes out in some nutty behavior, lashing out, or it comes with a, just a complete and utter meltdown at their sibling. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think what you said about a good cry is not a, not a bad thing. It's, it's a release, and I think everyone needs to do it occasionally. Yeah, totally. And I, I absolutely agree. And, but there's a real way in our society where it's, it's kind of squashed down. There's, you know, the general theme is, um, oh, you know, you'll be all right. Like kind of you've fallen over grazing, your kid's fallen over and grazing. Get up. That's all right. It didn't, it didn't hurt. And actually just taking a moment just to, to be with a kid and, and let them, let them, those tears, like the tears aren't the hurt. The tears are the way that we heal from the pain that got in. Yes, no, exactly. And you you mentioned earlier about orphanages, and uh, I mean, after World War Two or during World War Two, a lot of um, English children came out to Australia uh, in orphanages, and it must have been terribly difficult. I mean, at a young age to be separated from their parents, going to a place on the other side of the planet, I can't imagine what it was like for them. And a lot of them yeah. did have issues, as we know, and they didn't have that love. Yeah, yeah, it, it must have been really, really hard. Yeah, yeah very sad. Now, yeah. Rachel, is it what can parents do if siblings are having problems? Is there something parents can do to uh, jump in and uh, help the situation? Yeah, sure. So I, I think, well, okay, so there's sort of two range of problems and we'll kind of dive into this a bit deeper in the upcoming sessions that we're doing. So here I'll just kind of give an overview of, um, of how parents can help. And so you kind of have acute situations that you need to jump in and deal with. And then there are kind of like just kind of longer term things where there's just like this under underlying tension between siblings and like today I'll just kind of give a little bit of an overview of that that underlying tension and I think the first and most important thing um is to sort of hold on to the outlook that it's absolutely possible for your kids to get along better than they are doing now like that's totally possible um you're not you know kids aren't bound by fate to have trouble with each other all the time so you know just having some hope and some because we can get really stuck in, oh, this is just how it is. And it, it really can change. And, and just to know that like under good circumstances and with good guidance, kids can absolutely grow up to have really strong lifelong friendships. And just because they're having little squabbles now and then doesn't mean that they're not going to have that overall good relationship. Um, and I really, I really want to hone this point because if we give up on the idea of our kids having a good relationship, then you know then maybe it's not going to happen so it's really important that we kind of hold on to that as a goal and just for parents listening like I just I just want to emphasize so much that um you know under good circumstances and with good guidance it's completely possible for your kids to get along well um and just to think about how kids have this incredible affinity to relate to each other is there is something so special about two kids playing together that they have this connection that as an adult, we can't quite get into. Like we've grown up, we haven't got that child mind anymore. And, you know, kids are so well disposed to really wanting to be with each other yes. and fool around. And they it can cross age groups, it can cross languages. It's like kids can really, really connect. And at the same time, we live in a society that isn't really set up that well to support parents. And so what it, the reality is that having one child is, is challenging work, like raising one child is challenging. And if you've got two or more children, it's even more challenging. It's even more difficult. So 
the truth is most families experience stress like they are stressed they're at maximum capacity and so it's inevitable that you know children well, we feel a bit overwhelmed and our kids kind of pick up on that overwhelm too. Like that's inevitable. And it's important to remember that a healthy family doesn't mean no conflict. In fact, no conflict is a bit of a red flag when it comes to families. Like some degree of conflict is is absolutely normal and actually healthy. It's how we handle it that's that's the critical piece. Okay, so to answer your question, um, which is like what, what what can parents do i'm just going to give like an overview of a five-step plan which we're going to dive deeper into over the course of this series and the first thing is to really strengthen the relationship of each child with each other the second one is to strengthen the relationship between each child um, and you so that you have a really good relationship with each child the third step is to boost a kid's sense of their own individuality. So each child kind of needs to feel who they are, like separate from their siblings, as much as they need to feel who they are with their siblings. And actually on that one, David, out of interest with your sort of big family, did each of the siblings have really different kind of characters or are they? Um, Very different, Uh, unbelievably different. You can't believe sometimes the... We're both from the same parents, but we're all absolutely different. Five boys, one girl. The girl was totally spoiled, or we like to tell her that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, very very different. It's amazing, isn't it, that uh, we all have such different characteristics. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think it is, and I think there's something about that. Like, it's so common in families and, uh, like, that each child is so incredibly different. And, and I think it's this need to really need to be an individual as much as you need to be part of the family that that kind of produces that like that's what comes out um yeah so the fourth step in the plan is we've we've touched upon this earlier so that kids really have a safe emotional space or have safe have safety within the family to be able to process their feelings so that you can make space for their feelings because if they're completely clogged up with feelings and hurts that they're trying really hard not to spill out they're spending much of the day feeling quite tense and then just something tips them over the edge and that's it they kind of it all pulls out and siblings tend to be the brunt of where those feelings pour out and the fifth step in the plan is to deal with your own triggers (laughs) so as parents we tend to have a fair pile of triggers and if we and we'll touch on this um every week a little bit i want to really touch in on this because um you know we bring so much to the table in terms of our own emotional stuff and today i've just talked about like holding on to the image of like how it's you know the vision that it's absolutely possible for your kids to get along well okay and rachel you talk about triggers and parents how do the parents deal with their uh, own triggers so uh, the, the, the that's an interesting, um, when we talked about this before we started recording, it uh, fascinated me. And when you were talking about triggers, uh, perhaps explain a bit more about that if you could. Yeah, sure. So it actually goes back to what I was explaining earlier about like that the way that our minds record everything that happens to us along with the emotional content. And so all the times when we were little and uh, um and things happened to us that we felt scared about or angry about, or maybe the big people around us were doing things that were scary for us, that's landed as hurt in us. And a lot of them will be unprocessed. 
And when we become parents and have children, we start bumping into these places where we've been hurt. And it, it, it they're like they're old memories that are bubbling up, but they don't tend to feel like old memories. Right. <laughs> they, they tend to feel like, what is wrong with this child? Or look at everything I've done and now look what she's doing to me. Like there's there's a way, that's how it comes up. And, and, and when we have those kind of feelings, it's a little reminder to ourselves that, actually we're triggered this isn't about the, the present moment this is something from our past where we got hurt the way that parents um can deal with their own triggers is first of all like become aware of it like become aware of when this is happening and try and distinguish between is this an old memory or is this really about this situ situation like and a key is if your proportion if your reactions are just completely out of proportion to the situation that's a pretty good clue that this is an old memory um, and then what I encourage parents to do is to find someone to listen to them so that they can start to explore those triggers and they can start to heal from the triggers. They can start to notice the times when they're getting triggered, talk about the emotions that are coming out. So they've got a safe space to let those feelings out and they can come out the other side feeling so much more calm in the, in the moments that used to trigger them. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, Rachel, uh, perhaps recapping just some of the main points from uh, this session on uh, siblings. Yep, sure. So uh, first of all, just to emphasise again that our kids are so well-placed to get along with each other, um, that families are bound to face stresses because we have overflowing plates and so we're bound, to, you know, our families are going to get stressed. Um, but we can handle that. We can support ourselves. We can support our kids. Um, creating strong bonds between our kids and allowing them to offload their feelings is absolutely key to a healthy sibling friendship. Noticing your own triggers. And um, I'd, I'd love to actually offer listeners a little challenge. So if, yeah, so if you're, you're listening, here's a little challenge for you. I'd love you just over the next week or so, just track all the times when your kids are getting, getting along well all the times that they're sweet to each other, all the times they actually do share their toys or do something kind and nice. Because in my experience, even if you feel like your sibling, your kids never, ever are nice to each other, you will be able to spot at least one or two moments where they are. And it just starts to change our perspective a bit. Like, So just go and notice the times that they are sweet to each other. That sounds like a very good little challenge for people because we tend to remember the bad times, but there are a lot, a lot of good times. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Like we, the big times loom so large in our minds and we absolutely, because we're worrying about them and we're trying really hard not to, you know, trying to solve them. And yeah, we completely forget about all the good things that, that happen actually every single day. Yeah. 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 And there are a lot of good times, which is, which is what it should be all about really. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, so if if you want to tell me what you notice, um, please, you could come along and comment on my Facebook page. Just, like, let me know, like, what were the good times that you had? What were the things you noticed and learnt? Um, and my handle on my Facebook page is at rachelscofield.au. And also, if you're listening, I'm creating a PDF workbook that will accompany this series. Um, you can download that um, under the show notes, but also at my website, rachelscofield.com slash siblings, 
Rachel is R-A-C-H-E-L and Schofield is S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Um, and that'll give you some, it'll give you an overview of what we talked about. It'll give you strategies that you can use and also questions to reflect upon like what's happening in yourself and what's happening with your kids so that you can kind of start to unpick the dynamics of what's happening. That's wonderful. Hopefully you'll be inundated with a very happy parent. <laughs> that would be great. Or parents with questions, lots of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rachel, lovely talking to you with the first podcast. We're back again uh, soon with sibling struggles. I can't wait to uh, get our teeth into that one. That uh, will relate to a lot of people, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Thanks so much, David. Thank you, Rachel. Good on you. Mm-hmm.